0: You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Westside. It is so good to be with you this morning, kind of, virtually, so grateful for the technology that allows us to gather like this online this morning. Listen, I love being to Oregon, especially in the springtime, but even more in the winter when it's raining over here in Portland. You know what I'm talking about. So good to be with you. Listen, I love your pastors, love your team, love what's going on there, and appreciate them so much. I make fun of your pastor all of the time, and he takes it, and it's not a problem. And in fact, I called him at asked for some instructions, because all of you know that Steve is an introvert of the highest order. And I've asked him, I said, so Steve, help me understand how to live during quarantine. And so he gave me a few notes, and so I feel really good about it. Can't wait to get in the Word this morning with all of you. The Scripture says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, listen to this, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It's important for somebody to hear that this morning. That's under the power of something. Maybe you're in a relationship and you feel like you're under the power of somebody, you just can't get away from it, and it's toxic and it's destructive and you can't seem to get yourself free from it. I'm telling you that the power of God will set you free. Maybe it's a substance that's got you trained, got you chained up, and maybe in one season of your life you felt like you could control it, and now you've, you're beyond controlling it. It controls and dictates your life. And I speak the word to you this morning. The word of God is not constrained by technology or distance. I speak the word to you this morning that you can be set free by the power of God. Hmm. Every single thing that would bind and chain us, Jesus has given us power to be free of it. And I want you all free. Amen? Amen. So we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of us. You know know what it is? Most of the time it's lying dormant inside of us. Most of the time we, we don't access it. You know, it's kind of kind of like this COVID-19 weight that I picked up, and, and the camera's not helping me out this morning at all. But, but here's the funny thing. I've got weights and a bike in my garage right now. They're they sitting out there. They may have a little dust on a little cobweb, a little something, something, but, you know, it's there, but, and it can work for me. But I've got to access it. I've got to use it. I've got to appropriate it. And it's the same thing with the power of God. Have you ever asked God to empower you? Have you ever said, Holy Spirit, I'm, man, this woman I got, she kind of crazy sometimes. I love her, but she—oh, that's me. I'm sorry, my fault. That's Coco, my fault. But, but there's literally, there's a power. You can be empowered to serve well and to love well and to live well, that God will give you that power. The same—I want to say it again, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you this morning. Hmm. So— Here's what I would say about power. I think we, we've got to understand a few things about power. And um, I think the disciples continually misunderstood the purpose of the power of God and how it was supposed to be used. I mean, all you have to do is think about Jesus coming as a baby, not, not, not as a grown human being, but as an infant, one of the most vulnerable among us. But, but yet, and you watch through his whole life, he doesn't appropriate power the way that we would. And I think we misunderstand what he means. Because in Acts chapter 2, in verse 12, remember I said to underline that portion of Scripture, and it said this, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does it mean for the church and as individual members to have power? What does it mean for you as a, as, as a member of the body of Christ to have power? And last week we were a part of a webinar. Some of the leaders in our church and some other people were part of a webinar, and um, Dr. Jennings, Dr. Willie Jennings, actually kind of flipped it in, 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 in this phrase. And he says, we, we have power, we do have power, but it's not power over people it is power for people. Does that make sense? That, that most of the time when we think of ourselves and people the way we see power exercise in our world, it is power over people to dominate and to take precedence over people. Very seldom do you see somebody with power using that power to serve and uplift other people. That is what you and I are called to do with the power of God. So there's power for me first, In salvation, in my sanctification, I'm being separated from the effects of sin and uncleanness and brokenness in my life. And yet, so that's a personal part. I need that. I need the power of God for me. But also, I need the power of God. I need to understand that I'm also empowered by God so that my power, the power that God has given me, my portion and my grace might be used in the service of other people. Lifting them up causing the light to shine on them. Listen to what Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 says about his disciples and how they misunderstood. Think about this. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. (laughs) <laughs> you know what they were asking? <laughs> they were saying, now you've been talking about power, and the only reference they had to power was the Roman Empire and the Romans, how the Romans had exerted power and crucified millions of people and taken territory. And, and, and so if you were a Jewish person and you had lived under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire, you wanted your own sense of power. You wanted to now be domineering. This is how you can start miscarrying scriptures like, well, I'm the head and not the tail, and I'm above and not beneath. And you'll start using that to support pride and ego and vain ambition and self-ambition and self-interest and to promote yourself rather than understanding that Jesus himself made himself of no reputation, Philippians chapter 2, made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant, a human being, condescending all the way down to being one of us. The creator now is one of the created. He becomes and lays his privilege and lays aside his deity, all of the rights of deity lays all of his rights aside. What would that look like? Stop for a minute. What would it look like if those of us in the body of Christ started preferring one another above ourselves? and you started laying your rights to whatever it is you have so that somebody else could go first, so that somebody else could be lifted up. I mean, my gosh, man, all you gotta go is to Home Depot or Walmart and find out ain't nobody trying to give somebody else the parking spot. You're not trying to let somebody else cut in line and just just be blessed in front of you. like, no, man, I'm in line, six feet, I've been waiting all this time. No, no, but, but, but you and I, as believers, we've been empowered by God to be a contrast community, something different, something the world hasn't seen, that we appropriate power differently. And they were right. I mean, they had the effects of the Roman Empire. They were broken by it. They had, they had been taxed and oppressed, and, and they, they didn't have any national pride, and I get it. And, 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 and so we have all of these stories and narratives. I think about our sisters in our world right now trying to have equal pay for equal work, and and they had to—think about this for a minute. A movement had to be started to stop objectifying women as sex objects and to see them as image bearers of God and treat them with respect. We had to create a movement called the Me Too movement, which, by the way, the church was slow to get on board of, which we always are. We should always be those— that use our power, we already talked about you. We already dealt with you, your problems, your proclivities, your hurts, your habits being broken, and you walking in freedom. We talked about that. Now, as we see the kingdom's power being used, it is always being used to lift others up. Who's around you that doesn't have a voice? Who's around you that's disadvantaged? who's around you that's suffering from systemic racism and different things have oppressed their lives and locked them out and kept them from moving forward then you can use your power, your voice, your position, your privilege, whatever it is that you have, you can use it. And therein lies how the kingdom starts expanding. And people start seeing all of us together, black, white, yellow, Asian, male, female, rich, old, young, poor. They see us all together serving and lifting one another up, preferring one another above ourselves, letting one another's interests be more important than our own personal interests. And all of a sudden, the world starts looking and saying, what kind of people are those? And we get to say, we're the resurrected people of God. We've been brought back from the dead, not by our own works, not by any merit within ourselves, but by the goodness of God. His grace, His love, and His mercy has reconciled us to God the Father. And we've been sent into the world as His people, empowered to bring a message of reconciliation. We are, as as Ephesians 2 and 16 says, we are the new humanity. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Come on, somebody. Paul wrote about this repeatedly to the Corinthian church that, that he had authority in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he spoke about the power and authority that he had over them wasn't meant to so that he would lord over them but so that he might build them up wherever you're empowered wherever you have strength wherever you have ability wherever you have might it is not so that you can focus wholly on self-interest you have been empowered the way that you've been empowered so that you can share that power and use it to the benefit of other people can you say amen but but listen to what it says In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who? Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barriers, the dividing walls of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose in this was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their enmity, their hostility. I, I can just, I can stay there because what, what you'd have to do is read further up in the chapter. Really, in, in that day, in, in that culture, there are there only two types of people. They were Jews and Gentiles. You were either God's people or you weren't. And, and, and the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, always had a hard time appropriating and stewarding their grace. In, in a certain way, because because they saw themselves as God's chosen people, they, they became exclusive and they became very prideful and, and, and they handled themselves a certain way and looked down their noses at other nations and other cultures when they didn't realize that God had chosen them so that the blessing of God might flow to them and through them to all the nations of the earth. And you and I have to be careful as well that we don't become exclusive, like we're the chosen people of God and we're better than those people that are struggling with sexual orientation and we're better with this and we're better with that. How many know you're no better than anybody else? You just got grace instead, you've just been forgiven. And so you and I have to be those representatives. And so in this particular place, Jesus in the Scripture is saying, hey, oh, well, Paul is writing and talking about Jesus having torn down the wall of hostility. Yeah, so what he's saying is those things that would separate you, Jews and Gentiles. This is an ethnic dispute, by the way. Hello, somebody. Saying to them, hey, I'm tearing down that wall in my body. <laughs> None of you were able to keep the law. I kept it. None of you died and could pay the penalty for your sin. I paid it. That's why the cross is mentioned. Because at the cross, every nation, every tribe, every human being, every man, every child is the same. We're in need of God's grace. We're in need of God's forgiveness. And so, when you're at the cross, how can you be oppressive? When you're at the cross, how can you not repent of racism and sexism and ageism and every other ism that we have? When you're at the cross, and you're seeing crucified Jesus and his blood running over you, washing, cleansing, making you alive, you being reconciled to God through the cross of Jesus Christ. How can we then not want to be reconciled to others? Then he says, when I tear down this wall, I did all of this because what is he saying? I wanted a new family. I wanted a new humanity. I didn't want sex. I didn't want... Factions, I didn't want separate, you know, categories and labels for this people and those people and these people and the end people and those people are not. No, no, no. He says I wanted to tear down every wall that would divide you so that I would have one new humanity. And that is the big idea. There this Pentecost moment, this promise of Pentecost is for me personally. But then because I'm a part of his church, there are these other believers that don't look like me, that don't come from where I come from. I mean, here I am in Gresham, Oregon. I got a guy named Ryan Zirk that I love to death. We, we ain't the same one. He, run, he runs around with big old tractors and stuff. I ain't never even seen no tractor. I mean, i seen them on TV, but I ain't never rode one. We don't have the same narrative. We don't have the same story. We don't have the same background. We don't have the same anything. But you know what makes us one? Jesus. That's what makes us one. And, and, and we don't disagree. He probably votes different. And he, you know, he might not eat the same stuff I eat, but he might want to eat some of my stuff. And I definitely saw Taryn cooking some stuff that I want to eat. But, but you know what makes us one? None of that stuff. See, that's all of the minor stuff that we make major. The major thing is is that we're both created in God's image. There's a mutual respect, a mutual honor, and a love that we have that is supernatural, that comes from God himself. The love of God being shed abroad in our hearts makes me able to love the way that he loves. Can you say amen? Shout out to Brian Zerk. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and 26, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all, children of God in Christ. That's why we want—listen, that's why we want everybody to come to church. That's why we want everybody to know Jesus. That's why we want them exposed to the gospel. Why? So that we can be a part of God's family together. It's better to be in God's family than any other family on the earth. (laughs) We get to sit at the same table together with our Father, and he says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all the children of God through faith. Verse 27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now watch this. Verse 28, here comes all the labels. Here comes all the distinctions, or dare I say, the walls that divide. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're one. Only God can do that. We tried to do it, our best efforts has failed, willpower fails us. I'm, I'm going to be moral, I'm going to do the best I can, and we can't. But the power of God through Pentecost and every believer makes it possible for us to be one in a way that no political system in the history of mankind has ever been able to do. It is only Jesus that can bring enemies to the same table and turn enemies into brothers and sisters one in him. So then what is our job now? What are, we, what are we then empowered to do? Then you and I, according to Ephesians, we're called to guard. Listen, listen to what it says. Oh my goodness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says this, be completely humble and gentle. Watch. So this is different power. It's a different way of being, different characters. Be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love." Can I read that just again? Because I think now with all this reopening and political parties, affiliations, all that, listen to what it says. For you as a believer, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he says this in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then he says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called, into one hope. Listen to one, 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 when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One. One. It's only possible through the Spirit. So then you as believers, what are we supposed to do? Line up in different factions and different tribes and oppose one another? No, no, no. He says, listen, this is what he says. I want you to stand guard and watch and keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That means in our church... Somebody starts saying something contrary to bring division and strife in our church. Somebody brings a report against another brother. You say, oh, no, sir, not here. Come on, let's go talk to Ryan. Let's go talk to Kelsey. Let's go talk to this one or that one. We're not going to have division, strife, and gossip. We're going to protect. That word keep, I, I, hey, I'm a soldier. That word keep is like a century. We're watching over our unity. Our unity, hey, our unity is precious. But it's fragile too. All you got to do is get somebody in and start stirring up a little something. This is the time, this is the moment for all of us, the church of Jesus Christ, to, to listen. I know everybody wants to come to church. I do too. But it is more important that you are the church everywhere that you are. Way more important than us gathering. Whenever we gather here, there's always a spectator versus participation. People are watching me. Now, the church scattered, not gathered. People are watching you. (laughs) They're watching your family go for walks. They're watching you engage in your community. The church, one, one God, one faith, one heart, one mind, and anything that would bring division, anything that would bring strife, we've got to stand watch over that. Why? We've been empowered to do that. The power of God is available to us so that we might stand guard. Did you notice on the day of Pentecost—I hope you didn't miss it—that when the Spirit was outpouring on the disciples, that it was a multicultural outpouring, that that Spirit set on them and they began to declare the glory of God in everyone's language, their tongue, their heart language. They heard it in their language. It was evidence of what god wanted to do to unite humanity and of course the disciples are slow (laughs) you got to read further in the book of acts and see peter at cornelius's house and god wanting him to go to the gentiles and peter's like not me i'm a good old jewish boy you know what what i've learned is that my ethnicity and my culture and my upbringing is subservient to my king and his kingdom and i'm learning a different way every day of my life. And I have a power to live in a way among people that wouldn't ordinarily be my people. But in my family, I don't know about you, but in my family, I've got Africans, I've got Asian, I've got Hawaiians, I've got country good old boys with belt buckles, you know, the big old belt buckles and boots. I got guys that wear Jordans and slacks. I got, listen, I got all kinds of people. You know how? Pentecost. Spirit of God being outpoured made us one when we ordinarily wouldn't be. Can you say amen? Come on. How many want to walk in the power of God like that for yourself first and then let it begin to flow so that you have power for and not power over people? Come on, somebody. And then you become an agent of reconciliation. This is supernatural. Everyone is included. Everyone is at the table. Pentecost gave us the potential. We're going to vote. We're going to have a new leader, or we might have the same leaders locally and federally. But Pentecost means that in spite of what is going on, we have the power to infiltrate and change the world no matter who is in power locally. Because why? Because our God reigns. Amen? Listen, every week in our services, we never— t- We never close the service without giving somebody an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And I just thank you for the opportunity to have come into your living room, your kitchen, want to walk with you or wherever you're reading or seeing this. Um, but, But we always want to give people an opportunity to respond. And one of the first things that we talked about is that the power of God is available to break the chain of sin in our life, that, that some of you might realize this morning that, that you've been separated from God and that you've been going and running your life the way that you saw fit. And this morning, you just happened that somebody told you to turn on or click on or something. You're in a watch party. You didn't even know what it was. And all of a sudden, you just got swept away in this message. And, and you said, man, I want to I be a part of a family like that. You say, man, I've always wanted to belong somewhere, and I never felt like I could ever belong. And I'm here to tell you that God came to seek and to save the lost like you and me. Felt like maybe we didn't fit anywhere. We couldn't sort of, sort of fit in with people. I'm here to tell you that God is here for you. And maybe you just, you know what, some of you may find yourself in a situation where you know, you, you know the Lord, you've read Scriptures, you understand His salvation, but for one reason or another, you find yourself separated from Him, and your life does not reflect that you have a relationship with Him. You can come home today. You don't have to wait till Easter of next year or Christmas. You can come home today. Today is the day of salvation. This is the moment. If that's you, in just a few minutes, I'm going to pray. And and one of the things I would love for you to do is I would love for you to think for a moment right now about eternity. To say, if I was no longer here, what would happen to my soul? Would I be separated eternally from God? Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes unto the Father except by him. you got to go through Jesus to get to the Father and be reconciled. Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins. And so this morning, would you pray with me? If that's you, if it's not, love you, respect you. Keep tuning in. Keep leaning in. God will speak to you. Amen? But let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we recognize that we've been separated from you. Come on, repeat after me. We recognize that we've been separated from you, that we've rebelled and gone our own way. But this morning, through the preaching of the gospel, we recognize that you are indeed a good father and that you are reassembling a family from broken and fragmented humanity. And Lord, if you will take the broken pieces of my life and make something wonderful of it, I hand it to you. I need a savior. I cannot save myself. Would you Save me through Jesus Christ. Would you cleanse me, wash me, and forgive me of my sin? And as your spirit empowers me, I will live for you from this day forward. Amen and amen. Welcome to the family. I'm so glad you prayed with us. Then I couldn't even wait. I was looking at my notes. I couldn't wait to get to this part because I knew somebody like me was hurting and broken, rejected and abandoned, feeling like they have no hope. And now you have an eternal hope. Welcome to a new family. You got some brothers and sisters you didn't know you had. Hey, Westside, I I know that you guys have a system and a process by which um, you probably receive salvations, but whatever that is, at our church we usually put, I believe, in the chat. So if you're someone online that watched this and you may be tuning in for the first time, we want to love on you. We want to come alongside of you in your new faith journey. And so give the staff and the team at Westside an opportunity to do that. So just put, I believe, in the chat and somebody will get in touch with you. So listen, thanks for inviting me, the Westside family, I love you. Thanks for having me, putting up with my antics this morning. I love you. Listen, let's live out the promise of Pentecost together. And there's power for you, sure enough. But now you have power not for yourself or over other people. You have power for them. And lastly, you have power to preserve our unity. So let's be part of the solution and not the problem. Amen? Go with God. God's going to go with you. I love you.